We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. And our Great Depression is our own lives, so says Tyler Durden. I know it's a little heavy and a little melodramatic, but I wanted to start this episode all about death as melodramatic as possible. Uh, Unfortunately, there has been a lot of death in the news, and uh, in fact, it's been sort of swirling around here a little bit as well, and it is the unescapable, right? It's no one's getting away from it. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to prepare for it. And no one thinks it's going to happen tomorrow. Which, of course, sometimes it does. A lot of times it does. Actually, every time it does. Because there's always some time tomorrow. But uh, let's get uh, started first with uh, slightly uh, lighter or or not so personal of affair uh, in terms of death. Uh, there was a story in the news about... Uh, a person who had died in an automobile accident. And they the reason, as far as I can tell, the only reason that the news was covering this was because at one point they were on American Idol, right? And not even on American Idol. I mean, this, this woman who died had just made it to the audition process. She made it twice, you know, one, one in different seasons, but still just the audition process. And yet, why is this news, right? Because she's not a celebrity. Because if if getting on American Idol now qualifies you as a celebrity, I'm a celebrity. I'm a bigger celebrity than she ever was. Uh, But, and and she she never even made it to Hollywood, right? But yet, you know, the old adage of if it bleeds, it leads, you know, shows you just how terrible the news media is because they don't care. They just want you to read it. And if they have this sensational story out there, well, maybe you'll read it. And boy, they suckered me in because the headline on the webpage read, read, uh, former American Idol contestant dies in car crash. And I, I, I despise American Idol. I hate it with a fiery passion because not at its very core... All it really is is a glamorized karaoke competition, right? I mean, th- these people are not very good. They're okay. Kelly Clarkson is lovely. Uh, but most of them are just sort of average. But people get sucked into the whole drama of the reality show and getting to know these people. You know, it's like uh, it's like talking to a hot chick while you're looking at her. You know, you, you get blinded by the beauty. And it, when you're talking to her on the phone, you're like, wow, this is awful. And I think if America, if, if American, if those American Idol singers just went on the radio and sang, you'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. But because, you know, oh, there's all this drama and oh, I get to vote and I get to choose their outcome. And then you feel invested and then you're all this. And then really, we're just subjected to this karaoke competition. It's Star Search, but just a mega hit. I mean, really, if Star Search had let people at home vote, it would have been way bigger than, you know, Saturday after morning, after morning syndicated area fair with Ed McMahon. 
Um, and the thing that really drives me crazy about American Idol, because look, I have no beef with Star Search. Beef, Star Search was on at three in the afternoon on a Saturday and didn't impact my life one bit. But American Idol, prime time, two nights a week, and other networks are canceling perfectly good TV shows because they cannot beat American Idol in the ratings. And that's what drives me crazy. Because, look, if you're going to cancel good shows because it can't beat this god-awful train wreck of a show, now you're impacting my life. Now you are ruining my television-watching experience, and now I hate you. I hate you so much. Because... There's nothing that can be done about it either, right? It's, it's a monster. It's a juggernaut. And, and oh, uh, not only is it the karaoke competition insane, they've got these judges, right, who really do nothing because they don't, they don't decide who goes home. They don't decide who goes in the bottom two. They just sit there and throw out their opinion. Ah, except they don't throw out their opinion. Uh, the British guy, Simon Cowell, is the only guy who throws out an opinion. And and he's right, you know, 50-50 of the time. But even he, I don't get him at all, man. He's doing, he's got uh, this this uh, string quartet techno thing that he's backing now. And apparently they're doing pretty well. But for a guy who claims to know pop music, I mean, his previous thing uh, before this quartet was like a bunch of dudes who sang opera with techno music in the background. It was idiotic. And I don't know how well it did. It probably did well in other parts of the world, not, you know, in the United States. But um, so uh, we've got uh, American Idol. Oh, and then we've got Paula and Randy who don't even say anything. So, you know, it's like, well, what are you guys doing there? This is this is stupid. You guys contribute nothing. So you've got bad singers. Most of the judges say nothing or, or what they say means nothing. Um, and it's just it's just a mess of a show that gets in the way of my viewing schedule. So please, everybody, do me a favor. Just stop watching. You know, really, just stop watching. Um so the, my point in the story uh, of why I bring up American Idol and, and the media is here is this person who it, just on American Idol a couple of times in the background, and yet the media sees this as a way to get you to click on that link. Aha! American Idol contestant died. Oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll click on the link and read the story, which why they care so much, I'm not really sure, but I... I did it. They got me. They suckered me in. I don't even like American Idol. But I was like, oh, American Idol contestant. Um, if, uh, you know, I'll see. Maybe I'll recognize the names. Because, you know, American Idol is everywhere. You can't escape it. It's always, you know, people are talking about it at work and on the radio and who are we voting for and all this stuff. So, yeah, they got me. I clicked on the link. And if they had put, you know, um, American Idol contestant Alexis, whatever her last name was, dies in car accident. I would have been, oh, well, you know, and there you go. Well, you've answered my question. Um, and if I was genuinely interested in this person, well, then I would have, you know, clicked through and read the story. And how does this all work? And And getting, again, back to death in the media, it's really stunning how the media will cover death as if it affects everybody, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't mean to seem impersonal, but most people's deaths 
don't affect us, right? Like if you're friends with this person or you're a relative of this person or they somehow worked in the company or was your boss or something, if they die, yeah, they have a direct effect of your life. If if this person uh, is the first person to contract AIDS or Ebola virus or uh, killer mold spores, yeah, okay, then we're looking at something that can potentially influence you and you better change your habits. You better stop doing IV drugs or sucking up mold spores or, uh, you know, having, un- well, having unprotected sex with strangers for money in a bathroom at the bus station. Then you have to change your life. Then this story matters. But I don't understand how they can, how they can, with a clear conscience, say, here is another story about death. What is it? Is it is it just that they think we'll click on the link or will they or or are they providing some sort of service? I don't believe it. I don't believe that it's, it, there's any value to it at all except to freak people out. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe maybe that's the idea. Let's freak everybody out and then they'll continue watching the news because they'll they're sure that death for them is right around the corner. So uh, I, you know, I'm trying to do this whole theme thing, like, you know, This American Life does, where they give a topic, and then people do stories on the topic. But um, I got to tell you, a lot of times, This American Life's topic, very solid. The stories on the topic, eh, not always the strongest link back to the topic. Sometimes their their uh, logic of how the story relates to the topic is a little, it's a little stretching the point here. Well, uh, you know, this is the only, this is the third podcast, and I swore I was going to try and do four. I think that's as far as I'm swearing to. I'm going to try and do four, and we're going to see how this goes. I'm already struggling with ideas, and clearly with this next story transition, uh, even I am suffering through the linkage trouble uh, of how this ties in. But it made me mad, and, I, and, and it sort of relates. So here it is in the worst transition of the podcast. Speaking of death, Russell Brand is going to remake Drop Dead Fred. Awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, this was a movie I believe came out in the 80s. It was uh, uh, Phoebe Cates as this girl who has this imaginary friend, uh, Fred, and um, it causes her all kinds of problems because people think she's crazy and she's got you know mental illness and all this stuff. Um, and she goes through most of her life, uh, or her her young period of her life, Fred's around, and then she grows up, and then he comes back once she's older. I can't really remember why. This was not a good movie. All right. Now, I know I'm not the only one. I mean, I'm, I might be the only one who, who thinks this. Uh, I, 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 I don't... I've only heard a couple of people ever say that they really loved Drop Dead Fred. So, it, this sort of begs the question of the remake, right? Like, what's better to do? Is it better to do... The, we had, like, it, it makes zero sense to take a movie like Psycho, which was enormously successful and landmark and groundbreaking, to do, redo it, especially because nothing in what, in how that film was made, there is no technological advances, right? Okay, we have color, 
now. I think they had color back then. It's just he chose to shoot it in black and white. So there's, there's, you know, what? What are we going to do? Make a more realistic-looking dead mother? Spoiler alert! Yeah, for those of you who don't know, yeah, his mother's dead. Um, in the attic? No, I don't think so. And so what's the point in remaking that? Just so Vince Vaughn can get a paycheck? Eh. So that is clearly the wrong way to go. And then making a movie that not really, was never very popular at all, like most people don't even remember it, is it worth remaking that movie? I mean, there's, I really don't remember anything about Drop Dead Fred that was really dying to be, you know, enhanced or remade or, or, or fixed in any way. And, and it wasn't even really that funny. Now, there are the rare times when you can take a bad movie and make it into something amazing. Of course, the classic example is uh, going from Mad Max to The Road Warrior, right? Mad Max was the first film, very low budget, very independent, uh, uh, shot, you know, all in Australia, young, very young Mel Gibson. God, was it awful. Unbelievably bad. And there were times in that movie where I thought they were just going to rip apart the, you know, the, the celluloid and come through and be like, no, 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 no. Sorry, everybody. That's, that's just a joke. We, <laughs> we were just kidding with that. Here's, here's the real movie because I and most people had seen The Road Warrior first, which was considerably later, uh, uh, in the eighties. But Mad Max came first. And so I said, well, you know, I love The Road Warrior. Let's see what Mad Max is all about. Uh, Mel Gibson says, I think, about three words. He shoots, you know, 20 guys in the kneecaps. And it, it, it's, a, it's a terrible movie. Um, and so yet, somehow, I don't know how the makers of Road Warrior looked at Mad Max and said, we can make a sequel to this. Now, they did do a smart thing. They didn't remake Mad Max. They made a sequel. They said, oh, okay, well, let's do the further adventures of this guy wandering the desert. Because honestly, you know, if you've got the stories, Mad Max could just wander the desert forever, really, just kind of looking for food and non-irradiated water and all this other stuff. Um, so that makes sense. Uh, but this whole drop-dead Fred... Um, uh, oh, and they're remaking Arthur as well, also with Russell Brandt. It just doesn't make any sense because it's like, well, I mean, Arthur was certainly in a very popular movie of its time, but eh, really, is there anything that you were going to do different that you could do now that you couldn't do then that's really going to make this work? Like, I really want, and I, they're already doing this, I really wanted to remake Logan's Run. Because the idea of Logan's Run is fantastic. You know, it's the society where you get the crystal in your hand and it turns red on your 30th birthday and you go to Carousel with the implication that you, if you get to the top, then your crystal will be cleared and then you can start all over again. But of course, nobody actually makes it to the top and that's the gag. And then, but there's this rumor of a land outside the walls where you don't have crystals and you can just run free. Great idea. But boy, oh, technologically speaking, that movie is a disaster. I mean, they really tried to make this movie something special. But I mean, there are scenes where it's, it's, they're trying to do stuff with miniatures. It's clearly just little dolls that they're dragging around a track. It's so incredibly bad. So I'm hoping for, for goodness to come out uh, of that um, uh, of that project in some way. 
because I, you know, doing a good Logan's Run movie would be fantastic. And it's still, you know, people are still making cultural references to Logan's Run. They may not know it, but they are. Um, but that's enough about, you know, bringing back the dead. Yeah, there's another little tie-in. Neat. Um, let's talk about, uh, about the thing that we, nobody wants to talk about. Let's talk about what happens when we die. Not so much in terms of the afterworld, but in terms of the people who are still here. Because really, when you, you know, a lot of people make a will out, right? Like they say, like, I want, you know, so-and-so to get this stuff and -and so-and-so to get that stuff. But nobody ever says, "Um, here's what I want my funeral to be. You know, nobody ever thinks about what they, what they, how they want to be remembered, um, I recently, unfortunately, attended a funeral myself, which is why sort of this is fresh in my brain. Um, I, I think the first thing that uh, really struck me about this was the, the person who uh, we were all there for, uh, I did not know very well, uh, but everybody liked him a lot. Bad move, right? Because they were all very upset that he was gone. Do everybody a favor. Look, you're dead. Do everybody a favor. Start being a jerk now. Because when you die, they won't miss you. They'll be like, oh, well, yeah. Alan was Alan. Okay, well, see you later. You know, don't, don't be such a jerk that they don't show up. But don't be so great that they actually cry. You know? Because I'll tell you, I've never had... I've never been to a funeral of a loved one or a dear friend. Uh, I've had four grandparents pass away. Uh, One of them, uh, when, you know, even before I was born, moved to Africa to become a missionary. So I I missed out on his life completely. I mean, I saw him occasionally, but, you know, when people came up and they started talking about this great guy and all the great stuff he'd done in Africa, I was like, I don't know who this person is. You know, you're talking about this guy. I don't know. Uh, doesn't sound familiar to me. Uh, so it was it was hard to feel too choked up. I mean, yeah, I felt bad. My grandfather, I met him. He was a nice guy when he was around. But uh. And then uh, his wife, um, <laughs> for maybe obvious reasons, was kind of angry a lot. Um, not Not the most socially friendly person so and and she had a long bout with cancer and so we could really all see it coming and you know she died and i was like yeah yeah well i've had a while to prepare for this and we did not have a warm open loving relationship so i can't uh. and then the my other side of the family they uh they came from that era era uh where you don't you don't talk about really anything. I mean, if the conversation goes beyond, uh, uh, how's your car running? Boy, this is some weather we've had lately. Uh, that then, then you've, if you've gone beyond that, you are treading on dangerous territory. Like you are on the verge of offending someone because the next question is going to be, you know, so, um, well, golf is always an option, I suppose, but, uh, you know, uh, there's got to any anything anything beyond that is uh, you're gonna it's too personal you're asking too much so uh, you know and and they both passed on and I was like yep 
Well, I barely knew you. Uh, you seemed like nice people, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't have much. Um, so uh, that's my key. Start being a jerk now because people won't miss you. And, and really, shouldn't you be a nice enough guy now to be a jerk? I mean, you see these people. You go to a funeral. You see these people crying. Help them out, man. You know, cut them some slack. Be a jerk. Okay, so now let's get to the sort of funeral itself. Now, I know this seems, this seems very, um, you know, self-involved for myself. But I, look, I'm going to, if I just came out here and said, we all have to plan for our funerals, and I didn't plan for mine, I would be hypocritical. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you should all plan and then not do it myself. And I'm going to take this moment to do it, right? You know, because hopefully this podcast will live on after I'm dead. And if I'm saying this in my own words and it's publicly broadcasted on the internet, somebody's going to have a copy of this and say like, hey, I here it is. This is what he wanted. All right? So, and maybe I'll give you um, some ideas. So... Uh, the first thing is no open casket. Absolutely not. That is crazy. I, 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 maybe it helps some people. Maybe they appreciate seeing this person one last time, but oh boy, is that, that is, that is not good. Uh, when I, when they did it at the thing I just went to and, oh, that was like kryptonite, man. I felt just cut off at the knees and I just, we grabbed the first open pew and said, I, I trying to be cool, trying to be cool about it. But I was like, we're sitting here, sit before, you know, parenthetically before I fall down because I just saw a dead body. Now I know that, like I said, helps some people. I do not want that. That is, that is not good. And here's the other thing. They had a lot of pictures uh, of him from like the 70s. All right. If anybody can find people who, who, who had their pictures taken in the 70s who look good, let me know. Because it seems like the 70s came in fashion-wise and they knocked out everything, right? This is the the 400 pound bowling ball of fashion where you roll it down the lane and no pin is left standing. You know, a lot of generational things, stuff comes in, but somehow classic fashion maintains, right? Sometimes you can see some semblance of something that's not completely a fad in a picture, but not the 70s. The 70s was nothing but, you know, uh, mustard and, and, and burnt sienna and uh, brown with enormous lapels and wide ties and big, thick sideburns. And, and the, the fashion that no one ever talks about from the kids is the rainbow, not rainbow, but, but sort of beach ball stripe. Um, I, he had it in, in the, the pictures they had at the memorial, and I clearly remember having shorts that were stripes of alternating uh, red, yellow, white, and blue. And it would just go like that, you know, all around the leg. And it, it, it is, um, what were we thinking, right? So none of those. I don't want pictures of me over the age. Nope, I'm taking it back. I don't want any pictures of me 
Well, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that one picture that's hanging in my parents' bedroom. That's the only one you can use. Or me on the horse. Those are the only two pictures you're allowed to use from me from the 70s. If you want any more pictures of me, you're going to have to go into the 80s. I'm, look, I, I don't take a good picture. So I, I, we're really splitting hairs here. But look, my last wish, I get this. All right. No pictures from the 70s. All right. Second of all, font choice. If you want to make a DVD of my life, you know, put some pictures with some music behind it. Fine. Knock yourself out. You can, I'm not saying you have to, uh, but you know, you can if you want. Font choice. No script fonts. All right. We don't need to make this sadder than it is. We don't need to romanticize me and and your giant quill pen dancing across the screen, scrolling my life and times. No, none of that. You get your choice? Ariel? Ariel black? Ariel italic? Those are your only choices for fonts. That's it. I know they might seem a little industrial, but that's how you know... This is like the this is like the Van Halen writer, right? You know, the, the no green M&Ms in the bowl. This is how you know, this is how everyone will know you actually listen to this because if they see any script fonts, they're going to say that that people, those people who put this on, they did not care enough to listen to his podcast. How dare you? Yeah. And you you play on this podcast. Listen to me people who organize. Just play this part for him. I'll give you a second. Listen here, people. You don't know me. You didn't even care to listen to my podcast. Well, listen, I know I didn't tell you about it, but you could have asked anybody and they would have said, hey, he had a podcast. Listen to it. So he gets his final thoughts remembered. You suck. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of cold coming back from the afterlife, telling people that they suck. You know, especially if they're missing you, which is, again, getting back to point one, don't let them miss you. All right. Another thing, let's talk about music. If you're going to make the DVD, I don't want any music, any music in there that is not from my CD collection. Now, I'm not talking about my iPod. I'm not talking about my MP3s because I have a lot of stuff backed up from other sources. A lot of people say, hey, I'm having trouble with my iPod and I'll copy some information off of it and I'll format it and I'll put it back on. And maybe I didn't delete it from my hard drive. So I might have some random stuff in there. So you're not allowed to use anything that I don't own on CD, right? I don't want any Celine Dion popping up. I don't want uh, any, uh, you know, uh, uh, you were the wind beneath my wings in my memorabilia. No, in in my memorial. I don't want any of that. Just, you know, you want to put some open arms from Journey? Okay. All right, that's fine. I got that. I got the whole Journey catalog. Power ballads galore. Knock yourself out. There's a lot of nice stuff in there. I don't need your personal influence on my memorial. Right? This is about me now. This isn't about you. It's about me. All right. So now we got music taken care of. Boy, I hope I don't sell all my CDs between now and I die. All right. Oh, that's the other thing. Nobody come in and steal all my CDs. Because, you know, I'd hate for them to have, like, only one CD to choose from and have it be, like, one of those, you know, screaming cheetah wheelies, like when I was an intern for Atlantic Records. That'd be a bad news, too. So I'm telling everybody, don't come in and steal my music. Yep. You probably wouldn't anyway, because you just go on the internet and get it if you really wanted it. Um, oh, yes, time limits. Okay. 30 minutes, right? 
30 minutes. That's all we're going to do this for. If you want to talk more, they'll have a reception later where you can have, oh, deviled eggs. I want deviled eggs at the reception, okay? And potato salad and macaroni salad because those are always things I wanted. I always get excited. Eh, you know what? Skip, ma- uh, skip potato salad. Macaroni salad, deviled eggs. Mayonnaise galore. I love it. Those are two things I want. Okay. Um, oh, time limit. 30 minutes. Um, this also ties into people not missing you. Because everybody missed this this wonderful person, and uh, everybody wanted to get up and tell stories about it. By the way, if you're going to get up and tell a story about this person, really make it a story about the person. Don't make it about how you did some stuff with the person. I mean, really put some thought into it, you know? You can't be just like, oh, uh, we went on a trip one time. It's really got to be... Let me show you what kind of person this was. Let me, let me do something that demonstrates their character. So start thinking now, everybody, and, and please try to make it a nice story. I don't really need you standing up there saying what an enormous jerk I was, even though I'm now uh, going to try to be an enormous jerk. Think before all that, you know, before the, 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 the uh, jerk thrust you know, because I'm not saying I wasn't a jerk previously, but now I'm I'm dialing up the jerk. Um, think you know, think of ni- a, a nice story before the jerk express left the station. All right, but we're cutting it off at 30 minutes because pews are uncomfortable. Uh, it might be hot out. I might die during the summer, and if you're in any kind of a suit, I pity you. So I'm going to do everybody a favor. See, now I'm looking out for you. You look out for me. We wash each other's hands, backs, whatever. 30 minutes. Get up. Tell your stories. Uh, we're, we maybe even have a little clock with a light on it. And uh, just to shoo you out there, um, uh, you know, when your time has expired. Oh, and speaking of expired, that is another great death transition. Um, and another thing. Don't be weird. Okay? This is my funeral. Don't be weird. And by weird, I mean don't moose your hair up in big spiky porcupine quills like you always do. That's like this is my funeral, right? This isn't daily wear. Okay? You got to you got to just try a little bit. And don't hand me that rap. Oh, this is the way I was doing. Oh, no, 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 no. Your hair is look at me. Okay? And today is not look at you. Today is look at me. Because I'm dead, okay? And we're looking at me, we're not looking at you, and don't be weird, okay? I mean, I know, you know, look, I don't dress for dinner. I don't, uh, I don't, I, there are a couple of things I do. I stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, I take my hat off, I don't talk, and I don't do anything weird during a funeral or a wedding. By the way, here's the other thing. If somebody has a good story at my funeral... I want applause. I want people to clap. That's the thing that bugs me about funerals is no clapping. Same thing with weddings. Somebody sings a great song. Yeah, clap, man. This is awesome. You know, this is not so ultra serious. Um, oh, and, and getting back to being weird, own one set of normal clothes. Okay? Try. You know, because you're going to need them, right? Somebody's going to die. You might actually want a real job someday. Get a pair of real clothes. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to ruin your street cred. And take out your facial piercings, all right? No one wants to see your bull ring through your nose. Just don't be weird, all right? One day, don't be weird.
All right, will it kill you? Because something killed me, and it's not going to kill you. This is not, not being weird is not what's going to kill you. So I recorded this podcast in two pieces. Uh, I didn't get to finish it before I went on vacation. And I had to say, I was a little, you know, there was a weird little part of me in the back of my head that was nervous. I would not be able to post the podcast before I died. Like something like the plane would go down, I'd get hit by a taxi cab, something would happen and I would die. And then here I had done this whole thing and yelling about how we all have to do this and you have to care enough to listen to my podcast and then it just wouldn't be there. There'd be two episodes and then that would be that. But no, I'm still alive, although this podcast isn't up yet. I'm still alive, so uh, I'll hope, uh, you know, I'm going to get it up in the next, you know, I'm not going to die in the next 36 hours, so we'll see how it goes. So... Speaking on death, uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention the death of John Hughes, who died uh, two days ago. Or is it one day ago? I think it was one day ago. Yeah, it was Friday. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I said earlier in the podcast that I never had a close family member die. John Hughes, I feel more about him dying than anybody else who has ever died, whether I knew them or not. Um, I never met the man, never saw him. Um, I I mean, I I saw a picture of him and I kind of know what he looked like, but I never heard a word he spoke or an interview or anything. And yet, I feel closer to him than my own grandparents. Now, mind you, my own grandparents were sick for a while and and all of that. But, I mean, my whole life growing up, between the ages of 14 and 24, probably, were John Hughes. I mean, the, the man ruled the 80s. Now, I know I, I, when I said in a previous podcast about Michael Jackson and about how his, you know, negatives canceled out his positives and we were left with this, John Hughes made Beethoven movies, not the composer. I mean, the big St. Bernard troublemaker dog movies. He made Home Alone, which was not good. He made Drillbit Taylor, which was also bad. Um, But all of those, I mean, really, he could have done anything in my eyes after 19, oh, I guess it was 89 or 90 or something. And it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, he could have done snuff films, as far as I care. You know, uh, he could have he could have been the new Lenny Riefenstahl for all I cared. Well, okay, maybe that's too much. But, you know, when you look at Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, I mean, he ruled the teen genre. I mean, other than Heathers, which he did not do, it was it. You know, Porky's was before that, and Porky's was just dumb. I mean, Porky's is just nudity and and idiots running around. Although Revenge of the Nerds had the great uh, That's Not My Pie or Hey, That's My Pie line, which that's not even a teen comedy. That's a college comedy. And stay with Porky's. Um, But he also made, you know, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and um, Uncle Buck and uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I I mean, and really, he only could have made 16 Candles as far as I'm concerned, because that is my 
all-time favorite movie. And I have I have no problem admitting that. You know, cuz I can defend that movie till till I die. It's an amazing movie. And if that's the only movie he ever made that was good and then there's just a stream of garbage afterwards, it would not matter because that movie is amazing. And that's the movie he wanted to make. But they, they, the studio said no. There's a great, oh, there's a great uh, behind the scenes, uh, A&E uh, behind the scenes of 16 Candles, which is really, really good. Um, but he wanted to make 16 Candles first, and they said no, so he had to go make Breakfast Club. But 16 Candles was really his dream. And 16 Candles is an amazing movie. I'll, I'll just give you one. I could, you know, again, I could probably do a whole podcast on why 16 Candles is an amazing movie. I could probably teach a, a, a four-week class about why it's an amazing movie. But I'll give you two, actually. The first one is you can watch that movie and see something new in it every time. In fact, if you haven't seen it in a while, go ahead and see it. it I, I really, really think it holds up. Um, that movie is... Um, it, so watch it, and then watch it a couple of days later. And now that you've seen everything in the foreground, watch everything in the background. Watch everything that goes on just sort of like above the heads or in between the heads of the characters talking. There's a whole other film right there. Um, and the other thing I will say about that is... Um, there's some amazingly beautiful scenes in that movie. Um, the two that jump to mind, of course, are the the one where they're in the auto shop and Farmer Ted um, is talking to Molly Ringwald and she's trying to she's trying to pour her, her heart out to Farmer Ted and he's just not getting it. And then I, I guess by the kind of the end of the scene, he does sort of turn around. Uh, but there are some fabulous lines in there. And, and, and all of his movies are just riddled with fantastic quotes. The other great scene in that, though, the really nice, sweet moment in that movie. Oh, no, wait, there's two more. Is the, the one where she's sleeping on the couch and the dad comes and he says, uh, uh, he says, uh, that's, that's why they call them crushes, because if they were easy, they'd call them something else, which is such a great line. But I didn't actually get it like the first 20 times I saw the movie. I know I'm, I'm, I don't get everything all the time. But the idea that you were being crushed by this unrequited love and that's why it's hard, you know, that they named it appropriately. Like your, your emotions and your heart are just being just compressed is just such a, a, a great realization in that, which, of course, I didn't see until like the, the 30th viewing. Um, and then, of course, uh, my, my favorite scene, and, and probably the, the, the scene I would teach the class on, is uh, the, the bit where after the party has gone horribly wrong, and the place is a mess, and Jake Ryan and Farmer Ted, played by Anthony Michael Hall, are sitting in the kitchen, and, and, <laughs> and Farmer Ted's character is making martinis. Now... This scene is so great because it, it implies so much, but never really explains it. Because you would look at it and say, like, well, how does Farmer Ted know how to make a martini? 
Well, maybe his parents are drinkers. Maybe he's got an uncle who's a drinker. Maybe that's one of the things that he did to ingratiate himself to his family uh, was, hey, it'll be cute. You know, a kid can make a martini. And he does the whole thing and he, he shakes it up. But what's beautiful about it is he's also wearing an apron, which really gets at the heart of Farmer Ted and just how sort of repressed he is um, and and so awkward that, you know, a real man would just be like, hey, I'm going to make a martini. But there's still some part of him in the back of his head that's his mother yelling at him, make sure you put that apron on because, you know, we don't want to make a mess. And um, And then, of course, the conversation that they have is so beautiful because it really gets to me because I saw that movie when I was 14 and boy, that movie just nailed me. You know, that was like, there's so many lines in that movie that are exactly how I felt. And I, in many ways still feel. Um, and the, the one classic line being um, right after uh, Long Duck Dong and uh, his new girlfriend drop Samantha Baker off at her house and they're going to continue on partying. And Samantha Baker says, um, Dong's here for five minutes and he's got someone. I'm here my whole life and I'm like a disease. And I was like, oh my God. Because I was, I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 while I'm watching this movie and that's exactly how I felt. Like, I, I've been interested in girls since I was five. And imagine going your whole, you know, 10 years, easy, and nobody being interested in you. And then you just, you know, that, that's how, how I felt. I felt sort of alienated and, and, you know, I desperately wanted girls to like me, but they didn't. And this whole movie is like that. Uh, just laid out in front of you with just uh, some some beautiful parts in it. The one big negative to this movie is that they did not secure the music rights for alternate forms of media. So they got some of them, you know, when it came out, you know, on VHS and DVD and all this stuff. But a lot of the songs that are in the original theatrical release and the ones that made it onto cable, those were the same, that's the same soundtrack. But they couldn't get some of the others. And it's crazy because there was a time in my life when I was on summer vacation from probably high school at that point, And I watched 16 Candles every day. I am not kidding. Every night, parents would go to sleep. It was summer. I didn't have friends yet who could drive. So I must have been like 14 or 15. And I would watch that movie every night. And there are still parts of that movie where I'm expecting a certain song to come in. And now I've got it on DVD. And I still have a VHS player. But I, I mean, I, I love the music, but I, I, that would really hurt my soul to go back and watch that on VHS. But I had taped it off of Gill Cable right when it came on. So I have the VHS from Cable version of it with all the original music. And um, it's a shame. It's a shame that, that they didn't get it because there are some really fantastic songs in there that uh, didn't get picked up. And the crazy thing about 16 Candles is you could not make that movie today, right? Because it, it was, you know, back in the day, uh, 1984, it had 
uh, nude scene in it. Fantastic. PG-13 had not been invented yet. This was a PG movie with an awesome nude scene. By the way, this is the one thing that really bugs me about this movie is for years, probably 15, no, closer, uh, over 20 years, I watched that movie and thought the girl who played Carolyn Mumford is the girl in the nude scene. She's not. I believe, and I have to check this, um, the, the girl in the nude scene, the body double that they used, is uh, Janet Jones, uh, the woman who later went on to marry Wayne Gretzky. She's got a fantastic body, but I, I thought this was who I was looking at. And, it, you know, I spent my whole life watching this movie thinking, well, I've seen Carolyn Mumford naked. No, not true. But here's the thing, and this is a sad state of, of movies in general. There are great movies we can't make anymore. Blazing Saddles, can't make it. I mean, the racial stuff alone, forget it. Uh, Sixteen Candles, you can't make that movie anymore, and you certainly can't make that movie and and get it a PG like I when I saw it. You know, it's got a nude scene. It's got all those jokes about Long Duck Dong. Their portrayals of, of uh, Italian-Americans is actually not very flattering either, although they gave them a name like Riz Checks when, you know, the, clearly they're playing the Godfather theme in the background. I mean, they're Italian. Let's not kid ourselves. They're, they're Italian. And it's just sad because all of those movies are awesome, you know, and even a lot of the other John Hughes movies, you know, you probably couldn't make anymore because people are just so damn uptight. And yeah, you could probably make them. Well, not the stuff with the racial stuff. That would never, ever fly. But stuff with the nudity, yeah, you might be able to get it. It would definitely get you an R, though. No way. I mean, you look at Adam Carolla's The Hammer, there's no nudity in that at all, and they got an R. I mean, there's just there's just no way around uh, uh, nudity, a boob, a boob on the screen for five seconds and you're not, and you're definitely getting an R. Um, and you know, it's funny because I thought about doing these podcasts drunk, but there's no way I could do this part of it liquored up because I'm, I would, I would fall down in a heap of tears because I had this fantasy of hosting the 30th anniversary of 16 Candles. You know, getting the cast back together or as many that was still alive and, you know, the the dad who had been in A Mighty Wind, he's still around, and Molly Ringwald and, and um, my Anthony Michael Hall, and I, I doubt Michael Schofling would do it because he kind of turned his back on Hollywood. And getting John Hughes there and talking about all this stuff and playing scenes and getting stuff answered and and, you know, doing this... And it just sucks because, you know, that's a clear marker that's never going to happen. Like, I knew it was never going to happen, right? I mean, what I'm this, I'm some guy screaming into a microphone in a room in my house, you know. I'm never going to host any of this stuff. But you kind of have that dream in the back of your head, right? As much as you, you know, you just, you know it's not going to happen. You just, there's some weird little part of your brain that says, but yeah, but it, it could, it could happen still, you know, something could happen, you know, the, the cast could drive up in a bus and get a flat tire in front of my house. And then I would just do it here. I don't know. But with his death, it really just crystallizes it and says, yep, that's never going to happen. So that's, that's, uh, it's always sad when you, when you 
<laughs> have one of your dreams uh, crushed so definitively. Like, nope, that will never, ever happen. But um, so <laughs> I'm going to try to end this on a, on a happy note. Um, there, speaking of get it going for another terrible transition about movies and death. There's a, a Adam Sandler movie out now called Funny People, and uh, Judd Apatow did what I I hope somebody does this. I hope somebody makes a TV show of nothing but fake trailers. I love it. I love fake trailers so much, and and it's not like jokey trailers but sort of trailers for movies so bad even kate hudson wouldn't star in it you know that's how bad and um so if you go to george hyphen simmons no d dot com that's an entire website made up of fake movie trailers uh for um, Adam Sandler's character in the movie Funny People. And it's really great because they're all trailers for movies that you have all seen stand-up comedians do at various parts of their career. So there's the, you know, ridiculous slapstick comedy. There's the uh, heartwarming, you know, f- uh, literally fish out of water where a guy goes into a weird situation and then he war- warms people over, wins people over. Warms people over would be weird, too. Um, and then there's the action movie guy and the serious guy and all of these movies that you've seen st- stand-up comedians do. And Judd Apatow took it even so far as to make a fake trailer or or snippet from a TV show that one of the other characters, not even the Adam Sandler character does, but uh, the uh, Jason Schwartzman character does, which is on an NBC website. So it looks like it's the real deal. And the, the TV show is called Yo Teach. And it's just, you know, the, his example of comedians just selling out for a paycheck. Um. And it's it's a wonderful website. You got to check it out. George-Simmons.com. Okay. I promise next week, next time I do this, it's going to be a little bit more lighthearted, a little more upbeat. Um, but it's really all driven by whatever topic comes into my head and whatever I think I can work for half an hour. Well, for Tyler Durden, John Hughes, Long Duck Dong... And myself, I'll say, what's a happening, hot stuff? Let's do this one more time. <laughs>